Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast about magic and the gathering. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined, as always, by the mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, and Lady of the Crease, Nicole Callahan. What is up, fam? Hey, howdy, hey. Oh. Yo, yo. Great to see y'all. How's life? How's it kicking? How we doing? Are, What's, are how are we sure feeling? people don't call you take two, Brasky? <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? Uh, just because I sometimes like to um, work towards perfection, I might do the intro of the podcast a time or two or seven in some weeks when we're really just off flying on the rails. Most times it's your fault. And the one time <laughs> that I screw up, you're just going to give me. I'm sorry. Guff. I'm I, sorry. Was that like the royal your or is that specifically Caroline your? <laughs> It like, was probably specifically <laughs> me, but in my defense, this has never happened, and whatever has been recorded has been done strategically and on purpose. Right. This is true. This is true. But you know what? It, it I deserve guff occasionally. This is not the time. This is not the time for guffings. All right. Okay. What about if I had a better joke? It's something to do with <laughs> it. It takes two, the movie from like 1996, but I hadn't quite workshopped it yet. So maybe you could. <laughs> start this over again i'll hold off on it and at some point randomly in the podcast you're gonna be like wait i found it can we just do it now and i'll cut it back in later and then it's like yeah we'll totally do it <laughs> okay. later it'll be fine i i'm still working on this it stars um the olsen twins if you're wondering it's like perfect parent trap movie perfect um, it was my favorite childhood movie but anyway well if you have the olsen twins plus add in elizabeth olsen to it that's a pretty powerful combination of three well i guess and, if you uh, if you do a third take then that would work yeah uh, maybe I should do a third take because then we could do all three takes together. And then those three takes probably make like the best intro that you could do. I, I like where this is going. I like the idea of just combining. Is Elizabeth Olsen the younger or the older sibling? She's the younger, younger. one. Oh, so that third take would be the best then. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Done. Perfect. We've, we've oh. angered all the OG Olsen twin fans. Yeah, there. I cannot wait for Olsen twin. I don't think uh, our Venn diagrams are really... <laughs> The the Olsen yeah the Olsen twin fan Twitter is certainly going to come after us after yeah, this episode airs. I'm hyped. Let's go. To be get... fair, you are the one that alluded to their mid '90s like movie thing or whatever. It's my Caroline. favorite movie so, from when I was a kid. So like the the Venn diagram where it overlaps is just you. It's just me. That, it's yeah, just that's you. true. I'll take it. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, I know. It's just ugh, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know. We, we've I, we've gone into many places. We've gone off into many tangents. We have not gone off into it takes two movie like meta tangents like that. I I just I need to do my research. I need to now just go and find and get myself a VHS copy of that and watch it so it's in its got true one. form. You got one? What? I can get it. I'll ship it over to you. Do you have Perfect. a VHS player? <laughs> yeah, I can. I can get a hold of one. You know, I'm sure that it's you know somewhere in the Midwest. There's probably just a whole stack of VHS players that we use because you know we don't we don't really advance in technology like the other folks is. We just got the internet and FM radio. Yeah, that's what it's like around here. Okay, what, should we continue this podcast that I've We been? should, we can, and we will. And we will by discussing and talking about things in the world of Magic the Gathering. Like how our week in Magic has been. This is great. So, we got rid of all the Magic players in the first three minutes. And now we're switching now, to Magic. Na great. Now that, now that they're gone, here's the really awesome Magic scoop that we're going to yeah, tell here's everybody. here's the tips. <laughs> right here. Here it comes. That's Nicole. how podcast works. You, write, you want the least amount of people listening. Exactly. <laughs> I think our I think our content model really is going to take off out. one of these days. We are on to something here, y'all. 
we are the <laughs> cryptocurrency of podcast formats. Like it's oh, just we're gonna do TikTok. stuff ass backwards. We're that TikTok where it's like this TikTok is only for John Smith. If you're not John Smith, keep scrolling. <laughs> That's what I assumed we were doing. Yeah, pretty much. Like on a constant basis. But while we're doing that and just torpedoing this thing into the freaking ground, Nicole, <laughs> how is your week of magic? Um, it wasn't my week was not very magic-y, actually. Uh growing a baby I, is magical. What are you talking I, about? Yeah. I mean, we we officially like announced everything on Twitter because Jim and I realized like we were just like going places and people were like, You're pregnant? I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, because it's like pretty obvious. So we made like our big like Twitter announcement and everything. So that's been cool. There was an RC, you know, this last weekend, uh there was like an RCQ or whatever, some local shops. But it qualifies for a tournament that's in November. And the baby's going to be like three weeks old. And I'm like, well, if I go, I obviously would plan on winning. And so there's no, <laughs> no point on me going to these tournaments since it would be qualifying me for a tournament that I could not play in. So um, I was a little sad because it was modern and I was actually hoping to dust off, uh, you know, so, some of my old friends. And uh, <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. But um it's kind of like been like not not too magicy lately, but I have made plans to go to the uh, team event in SEG Baltimore at the end of August. So now I have something to look forward to, and I don't even know what what format I'd be playing though. It's Pioneer, Modern, and Legacy. So we will see. I might be burning people in Legacy, actually. Ooh. We will see. We will see. I love the idea of you just like going to find that modern deck and it's it's like that redemption arc in every movie where you know you're you're getting the band back together and so it's like it's rainy outside and you show up and then there's your deck and you you find it and it's it's weathered. It's, yeah. it's seen some years, it's seen some things. It's at the oh. back of the bookshelf. I got to move everything out of the way and actually dust it off. And then like... you look and you know, they they see you and you're just like I told I told myself I'd never come back here. But times have changed. Let's do this. That that's that's kind of how I saw it happening. Is it then... like the A team scene where they all like walk out of the hall, like they walk out of rooms Perfect. and they walk behind, and then just yeah. Yep, that's like, basically it. Slow motion and everything. I guess I guess I'm really purposely not naming the deck that Nicole. <laughs> 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 Is that what you were doing? Because y'all didn't really let me know. <laughs> We just slowly kind of put into that way because that's part of our content is not letting some of the hosts in on what our shtick's going to be. Because that's another great heuristic of what you want to do with that. Great, great, oh. great, great, great. We're going to have some buzzwords this episode. Yeah, but buzzwords of feeler spots. It's the word. You said the there word. There are the no day. bees in the deck we are talking about today. Nope, like not to at all. Them. Not like, a single piece. Well, say the magic word and the duck comes down. Exactly. Perfect. Well, <laughs> Caroline, if, if there is, uh, if there was other magic things, or if you did have a redemption arc and dusted off an old deck, what did you do in the in the, your week or so in magic? Oh, I won a thing. You won a thing? Well, sort of. <laughs> How do you? Okay, first off, what kind of thing is it really a thing, and what do you mean by sort of winning it? Well, it was an RCQ, so that's oh. a thing that exists. Well, that is a thing that exists. How but did you win that? Well, winning is kind of weird because Canada is a little different than the U.S. Um, so I sort of feel bad because I've been following like my U.S. friends and then I've been following my journey and they're very different. So Canada has two main differences. One, we have two RCs. So we have either one on the West Coast or the East Coast. One's like November, one's December or something. And you can qualify for both if you choose to. 
So you can get two invites to the RC and then use them one each. Um, if you go to one RC and then you qualify for the PT, you can't actually go to the other RC cube. That's like a weird thing, but ultimately you can get two invites. In order to get two invites, that means that you can play multiple RCQs, even if you're already qualified. So that's one major difference to Canada versus the US, because in the US, y'all can't do that. And then the, the second difference is most tournaments in Canada that are held by premium stores, which is a wizard's classification, um, get four invites to give out for each tournament. And then the small stores get one invite to give out. So most tournaments I've been playing in give four invites um, versus one invite. So by saying I won, I we made it to top four and then we all didn't want to play anymore. So we just split the prize money and got our little cute little card and then went home. Dang. So well, you, you do should... is top four. Usually they have to like say, oh, we have to have a winner. You could just been like, I think made. they made, I, I think they gave a winner. I looked uh, in the, I looked in the app later and it certainly wasn't me. Aw, uh, <laughs> boo, you, you got gypped. How dare they? Yeah. How dare they? Well, so how many people played in the tournament that you top four? Great question. <laughs> Which is another reason why I was downplaying the winning a thing. Uh, there was 35 people there. Okay, I'll That's take a, that. This is That's a nice fine. tournament. I was thinking you were going to sit there and be like, eight. Yeah. No, 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 no. There, like, there's 35. There's six rounds. Um, I went X, I, I went X1-1. So I drew into top eight in the last round. Uh, and then I won my quarters. And so unfortunately the way it works out is most of the time in the quarters, most like in, in a pairing or whatever, one person wants to go more than the other person um, or has already more likely, honestly, it was more qualified. Like they've already been qualified. So they just scoop um, in this particular case of all the people in the top eight, the two people that really wanted to go were playing each other. So that was kind of a bummer. So I had to beat my friend. Um, so I did that. And then in the just top four, we just, just like beat your friend up within an inch of their life. Crush them. Yeah. Well, they're playing four color. And I actually hate that matchup. It's not bad for, I was playing shadow. It's not a bad matchup. I just hate playing against it with passion. And so I won. So I was very satisfied. Yeah. Well, nice way to go. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty fabulous and fantastic. Yeah, I, we got I a lot of store credit. We, like it was pretty Heck good. yes. It's awesome. A, fr a friend of mine were both in the top four and then we split like, collectively we got a thousand store credit did you get anything cool with it yet uh we got pandemic legacy Ooh. and a box of new capenna and some sleeves that's sweet thumbs up to that that's what you like to hear i gotta tell you mike i mean for for me i'm looking forward to hoping that maybe i could do something similar in that realm, because I actually am probably going to go to uh, uh, an RCQ that's going to be at the end of the month. I found out at one of the LGSs, and it's also going to be modern. Have you registered? Uh, registration hasn't opened yet, so I'm going to pre-register starting like tomorrow. In Denver, like we're hearing such crazy horror stories. There's like six RCQs total, and all a bunch of them are already registered out. And then there's a couple that are further away from Denver, like an hour to two hours. And those still have spaces, but that's like about it. We calculated out like 300 people will get to play total in Denver in an RCQ. That's kind of nuts. Invites. Yeah, it's kind of strange. It's like not a lot. It's a bit interesting. Yeah, you'd hope there would be more. Like maybe hosting more RCQs at some point would be would be a good thing to do there. But there really is 
there's nothing stopping the same individuals from registering over and over and over and over again if they are really on top of things too. It's just like, yeah, it's it, what if it's just the same group of people and other people are just phased out of it because they didn't have time to go and register for something. Yeah, and there's some kind of weird stuff happening too with like some stores. Like there was a store locally that had an RCQ on Tuesday at 1 p.m. because that and that's not that weird, but it's because that's when their store like their kids are all college kids, so they could play at a Tuesday at 1 p.m. And then they only had 14 slots, so they like made sure that those 14 kids that they wanted to play get into the event. Um, like I also heard of like an RCQ that like didn't really advertise it so that the locals could play instead. Like there just seems to be like a lot of it's a little wild westy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a, nothing like nothing like my back alley RCQ. That's what it's <laughs> gonna yeah. be sitting there. It's like you need a password to get in. I have my own house rules over band cards that you can't play. Like no Omnath in this one. Like that's yeah, just the house rules. This is just my deck list. I can't. What do you mean I can't play these cards? No, no, not a single one. Let me look at that. Yes, yeah, six Four of those are banned. Death Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely um, no Ragavan in any way, shape, or form. Oh no, I love that card. Um, but I'm going to um play in a RCQ this weekend. That's a sealed double masters. Ooh. Um, I had to take out a personal bank loan in order to afford this event. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's basically. Uh, it, did you get at least good financing on joining joining that sealed? That's no, I actually sold my firstborn. Ah, so. again? Don't tell them. <laughs> at this at this point, like you've sold the firstborn so many times, it's like I took out a seventh mortgage. It's like I've sold my kid again for the seventh <laughs> time. But at least I got into the sealed for double masters. Yeah, but at least I get to play with six double masters packs. Um. Well, speaking of kind of uh, expensive limited formats, that was my thing. The other thing I did this past week was one of my friends ended up getting a hold of a box of Modern Horizons 2, which because it's still in print, but still costs a little bit of a pretty penny to play. And so we brought it over to uh, our friend's house and they just got a brand new Wormwood gaming table that was huge. So we ended up uh, just doing a six-person Modern Horizons 2 draft just amongst friends. And that was a blast because no one really remembered like what the archetypes were and what really folks were doing. And everyone was trying to draft green-blue, apparently. Um, and so as they went around, the other part of it is that these are like my good friends. Some of them play a lot of Magic. Some of them only play like sealed and limited. And even then, they only play like every so often. And some of them... Uh, especially the ones that are like, I own these cards and I never, I don't plan on selling them at ever. So after we start playing, I'm sitting here, I bring sleeves. I start putting the cards into sleeves because they're not mine. They will go to the person that bought the box. The person that bought the box is like, I don't really care, do what you want. And half of the table is just is just rolling dirty with the with the cards and just playing bare cards, shuffling them up, wrecking them all over the place. And I'm just like, part of me was just like, I oh it oh I can't Aww. I can't do it. It's like, how could you? That's an endurance. Why would you do that? <laughs> and the person's like, oh, it doesn't matter you to me. I'm not using it. You changed, Brasky. You changed. It's like, how good? That's a $60 car. Okay, never mind. Never mind. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. I know. Just proxy it. Just proxy it. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's a placeholder. Just put this in. I swear it's going to be fine. Just trust me. You'll want to keep. Oh, never mind. No one's going to listen to me anyway. Uh, but that's that that was a fun thing to do was just sit around and, you know, since it was a six, six person draft, we still have half a box and we're going to do it again sometime, you know, in the next month or so. Oh, so that will fun. be that will be super awesome while I figure out what deck to play in the modern RCQ. I have a reanimator deck and I have the pieces of another deck that I've been considering 
for this, this RCQ. This is a deck that shall not be named, apparently. <laughs> it is It is a deck that, when spoken uh, into existence, much like... again, it's really good to hook your audience by not telling them what we're going to talk about. Of course. But this is a deck that, when mentioned, uh, much like the Candyman or Beetlejuice, uh, when, it, when it shows up and arrives, some are excited by this prospect. Others, thoroughly annoyed. Others, very saddened. Others very emboldened. And that is the deck known as Tron. Yeah. That's right. It's not Yay. just a great movie. It's also Wait, a fantastic. There needs to be like rock music or something. Yeah, yeah. like it's fireworks. Like, yeah, also Tron. <laughs> and then there's just like some big booming voice that's like Tron and just kind of goes out that way. Yeah, I think I think we'll try to I'll try to do something in post. Uh, it, it might just be th- that exact thing cut there. And every time we say the word, Tron, I want you to take no. I want you to take like the 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 whole thing you get, and then just put it over. Yeah, like just splice it over. Perfect. Agreed. Perfect. Done yeah. and done. But yeah, Tron. That's what we wanted to talk about today, and wanted to go over a little bit was just everyone's favorite modern deck, Tron. And there's a lot of things about it. The reason why we came to this this discussion is because um, all three members of this podcast have a certain affinity, not for affinity the deck, but for Tron itself. Uh, per- particularly the, the those two uh, co-hosts that I have across from me digitally <laughs> in the internet, being Caroline and Nicole. And it's just something that we're like, hmm, I think we need to dig into this a little bit and talk about all the Tron-y, Tron-y goodness that's out there. Well, I was going to say, it's actually the reason that this podcast has changed hosts. Like when people leave, we just don't want to air like tea. But honestly, it's because we, you know, after working with people, we're like, wait a minute, do you play Tron? And it's like, oh, you don't? Oh, sorry. You can't be on our podcast anymore. So everyone that's left the podcast is only left because they don't play Tron. It's no longer a podcast. It's a Tron cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, at least we'd have a niche market, right? It's like, I don't know how often we could come up with good content for it, but if this was a Tron 24, like all the time podcast, it'd be like, great. Today, we're going to talk about ancient stirrings. Isn't it awesome? (laughs) I mean, today we're going to talk about the look on your face when you mold the three. (laughs) We've whittled our way down the car (laughs) from magic players to Olsen twin fans. And now we're at Tron fans. Yeah, I assume which is the perfect circle. (laughs) I I, I believe the research says. That Venn diagram truly is just like a thing of perfection, right? Yeah. It is it is three different yeah, the the magic players that are Tron fans that are also fans of the Olsen twins and their early nineties uh VHS work. Like much like the three lands of of Tron all combined (laughs) together to something more more powerful and awesome than the pieces themselves. Hold on. So what piece of Trons are we? Oh, 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 that's very, that's a good question. Brasky's certainly the tower. I I was, I was going to say Brasky has to be the tower. Brasky is certainly the tower. Why am I the tower? I don't know. You hold us together, (laughs) Brasky. You you come in to save the day. I, I appreciate that. We save you for last. I will say that Nicole could technically be the tower because we do tend to get you last. <laughs> You've got a lot of other stuff going on. I guess, and you make more mana than us right now. Hold on. I think Nicole's the tower. I've changed my opinion. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Like I'm a, I don't know, 
a mine. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, you're you are mining. You are producing power. Something. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> mining. You are producing something. But she's also a power plant in the way that she's literally powering another human being. But she might not have any more power left. I just mm. am the embodiment of Tron right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, we decided you are all three pieces. I'm the yes. forest, and Braski is the sanctum of Ugin. Either either that or like either that we just split off parts of the deck, right? So it's like. It's like Caroline's the lands and in that kind of thing. I'm like Karn liberated over on my side of things. And you are obviously the great creator. Like that just has to be. <laughs> you were going to say Ulamog. Well, <laughs> I'll go with Ulamog. I mean, depending on what stage of pregnancy you're at. Yeah, it's like, how would you describe your pregnancy at this moment? Would you be at Ulamog ceaseless hunger style? Are you also or like somewhere? a walking ballista? Like you're just always mad? <laughs> Wow, turns out a lot of similarities to drama and pregnancy. Exactly. So it's and that was really what we wanted to do was the the similarities between the Tron and real life. Has gotten it's gotten even more yeah, just zeroed in even more. It's only We're, for people that are fans of the Olsen twins, fans of Tron, fans of magic, and pregnant. <laughs> My goodness. Well, for those out there still listening that might just be Olsen twin fans at this point, I guess it would be Nicole listening later. Yeah, it's just Nicole at this point. Nicole, when we say the word Tron, what does that actually mean? What is what is Tron in the quickest definition? Like, what is the deck? What does it do? Or like, what does it mean to me? Yeah, what is it? What does it mean to say, oh, I made Tron? Tron is when you assemble uh, three specific lands. We're looking for Urza's Mine. Urza's power plant and Urza's tower um, when you have all three of those lands in play the mine makes two mana the power plant also makes two mana and the tower would make three so you have three lands but you have seven colorless mana to work with and it's a beautiful thing it is it is and when you can get all of those lands on turn three and make seven mana you can do some spicy stuff and that's kind of what sometimes magic is all about is cheating out huge things uh, much earlier than anticipated on that realm also, like, I don't know about you all, but I, I'm not, like, a big fan of doing, like, math on the fly. And I feel like when you have to do, like, regular math, you have no excuse for going slow. But when you're doing Tron math, you could be like, wait a minute, I need to figure out how many mana I have here. So uh, instead of, like, me counting, like, with burn, being like, I have six points of burn in my hand or what, you know, like, because then they're like, why are you taking so long? But with Tron, I could be like, well, I needed to know if I could, you know play my you know a, a second power plant or if i should play my blast zone because i don't know how many mana i have <laughs> so i like that that's the you know it's you know it's just kind of like throwing a little bit of shade or just being that kind of player when it's like oh i'm gonna tap us you know what hold on i need a 20-sided die to count on my mana real quick i'm just gonna place <laughs> that right there i'm just gonna be what do i do with all of this mana? and that's that is kind of the definition you make huge amounts of mana and you do really big crazy broken stuff really early with it and of course the idea of like tron comes from the idea of like voltron it's assembling pieces and when you assemble those pieces it becomes much stronger than the whole of itself but tron itself uh it has been something where the lands themselves have been around since like antiquities but they really didn't start kind of popping up into the world of like competitive magic at the very least until like the standard of 2004 2006 and there were many versions of tron there was like Blue White Tron, there was Blue Red Tron, there was Tooth and Nail Tron, there was Martyr Proc Tron, all these different kinds of things. And Tron really was just a control deck that had these pieces to make big mana. And it wasn't until like later on in like 07, 08, and then as modern uh, kind of formed as well, Tron kind of found its its niche 
and turned into kind of a red green Tron and eventually the kind of one that we know today, which is Caroline, I believe mono green Tron, which has a very kind of specific look to it. There's a lot of iconic cards that are a part of it as the Tron player, uh, perhaps the most seasoned Tron player of us. Uh, what is it uh, that you usually notice about mono green Tron? What are some of like the iconic cards of that we see today? Maybe some of the other ones from the past. What do you think of when you talk about the evolution of Tron? Uh, yeah, so I think in general, there's a core set of the deck that kind of has to be there regardless. So that's your chromatic stars and your spheres and your maps, um, etc. And then depending on your color, uh, ancient stirrings and sylvan scrying is tends to be the current <clears throat> kind of staples. Um, and all of those pieces together are just saying like, help me get to the the magic land of seven mana as quick as possible. Um, and then after that, you have mostly colorless threats. So the green part or the mono green part or the red, white, you know, red, green, Tron, whatever, all of that is a little misleading in the sense that mostly, at least in the current builds, the rest of it is colorless. Um, and so your threats can kind of be, you're limited to what you can choose because it's mostly colorless things. Um, but they are pretty staple builders themselves. So Karn Liberated, the original OG, well, actually not original Tron. Karn, but original in this sense, um, is a seven mana version. Um, and then you also have some, so it depends on, you know, where we're at in the world of Tron, but in the current last five years, I, mm, I don't know if it's five years, actually last X number of years, <laughs> you have Karn, the great creator, which is the baby Karn one, one of the many baby cards. Uh, and this one has really opened up the deck. I think the deck before um, the four mana Karn came along was a little bit more all in. It was just like all of these big things. It played lots of Karns, lots of Ugins, lots of Ulamogs, lots of worm coil engines, like basically just anything that you can do on turn three and then turn four. Uh, and then Karn Great Creator kind of opened you up to having more flexibility, being able to react in game ones, because the main thing that the Karn, the Great Creator does is get stuff from your sideboard. So now your sideboard can be full of all these toolbox things, you know, from Tormod's Crypt to Chalice of the Void up to, you know, a variety of combo pieces that we can kind of talk about. But um, so the, the deck itself has kind of stabilized, uh, you know, four Karn Great Creators, four Karn Liberateds, um, a smaller variety of those larger things like Ulamogs and Worm Coil Engines. Uh, the biggest thing that I realized over time is you want to think of your threats as like split them into two piles in your head. One is cards you can cast on turn three and one's you have to cast on turn four. And that means like ones that cost seven mana or ones that cost more than seven mana. And so things like Oblivion Stone, while you can cast it on turn three, it actually doesn't function until turn four when you can make eight mana. Same with Ugin. Like Ugin isn't really a sweeper until turn four. Um, so like there's a, just a variety of things where they seem like, oh, I have a sweeper in my hand, I'm good. But they don't work until turn four, which I feel like it's obvious, but also not obvious, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's something that you just don't know until you actually like start playing the deck in that way. Yeah, uh, the, the numbers aren't as more aren't as relevant as more what turns you can cast them on. Nicole, what what was your introduction to like playing Tron in that way? And what was it like? What were some of your like favorite cards to play as you have played that deck as well? The first time I played Tron, it was actually red green Tron. And I want to say this is back in like 2014. 
uh, I played it in a tournament. It was like an IQ in Pennsylvania or something. And uh, I was hoping to play Burn, but apparently it wasn't a deck in Modern at the time. Uh, it was back in the days of Splinter Twin and uh, Birthing Pod and all these other crazy decks. But uh, Red Green Tron, I thought it was it was great. We, we actually played Emmercruel, the Aeon's Torn. I of Ugin was still legal, so that's oh, you know, yeah. uh, way back. And uh, deck was a lot of fun. I remember having leaving that tournament having the worst headache ever because I was for the first time ever trying to do Tron math and like not being able to figure it out and being like, what what do I have to fetch here? Like what what piece you know? And trying to figure out this like new to me deck, but it was so much fun. I I got the worst headache ever, but I'm like, no, I want to try again. And you know that kind of like I went through all sorts of iterations where. I think actually the next Tron deck I played was Green Black Tron. Black was for Fatal Pushes, Thought Seizes, and Collective Brutalities. And now I, I'm on Mono Green. And one of my favorite developments like in the deck over the years has been the emergence of Thrag Tusk. Now, mm. Thrag Tusk was always a staple like in the sideboards because people bring in a lot of hate against you. They, they ghost quarter you. But you get a forest. And the thing is, you, you haven't really lost that on a land drop. You lost that on your Tron land. But now you've got that green mana in play. And Thrag Tusk is a great grindy card. Gets you back in the game. Puts your life you know, life total back up. Gives you a, you know, a recurring board presence. It's just a phenomenal card in Tron. And one of my favorite magic cards of all time. I know that we've talked about that in previous episodes. But Thrag Daddy has a special place in my heart. And it has worked its way from being like three copies in the sideboard, four copies in the sideboard. Then it was like two copies in the main. And now I think I play three in the main, honestly, because oh, wow. I, I love it so much. And there's so much hate for lands, things like, you know, Beseju and things like that, that I, I, I just play Thrag Tusk and they, they're just, you know, usually your opponents aren't ready for it. They're trying to take you off of Tron. They're so preoccupied in getting you to not cast Ulamog that you just cast a 5-3 and kill them. Mm-hmm. So. It's pretty great. So, <laughs> I think that's one of the other spots about it as well. Is when when I look at it, one, the the two things I noticed about the decks. I actually played. I've been playing a bunch of it in some modern leagues and just trying out because it'd be like because there's things that especially me as like someone who's you know much newer to competitive play in some ways uh, is the th- the things I love is that the game plan pretty straightforward. There's a lot of nuance to it, but it's a pretty straightforward game plan. Make Tron cast big stuff boom, you win. The other thing about it that's really helpful, especially kind of for new players, is because of Karn the Great Creator, uh, your sideboard options are pretty limited. Like it is, like when in between sideboarding, there's a couple of matchups, you will bring in some Force of Vigors, and that's about it. Otherwise, you just have a toolbox of one-offs in your sideboard that you go find for whatever specific situation you might be in. And that was the other thing I kind of liked about it. It's like there wasn't a lot, there's not going to be a lot of me looking at my 15-card sideboard and being like, oh, do I take this out it'd be great to have these seven things but that means i have to take seven cards out. i don't know how what do oh, i do it's yeah. just like taking great. cards out is impossible exactly so uh, most times it's like great do i need the force of vigors here yeah cool bring them in do i not okay toss them out and just leave it be and then go find what i need with with baby karn to go and be the huge impact thing that i might need it to be in that point uh that's the thing i really enjoyed about the deck it was that it, it was fairly straightforward but yet there was still I noticed a lot of things that I was screwing up playing the deck as well. I think the, the other side of it, uh, or or perhaps like where, where does Tron fit now in, in kind of the, the metagame of modern, because as you said, there was this very specific card you talked about, Nicole, 
that was Besaidu. And Besaidu, while now fits into uh, a lot of mono green Tron decks because it's just very flexible. It's just another forest, essentially, that can also destroy a lot of stuff. Um, there is, there's a lot of things in the metagame that can be very threatening to a deck like Tron that can either blow up lands or turn them into mountains or do any of these other things for it. So I guess that would be the other question is, uh, wh where do y'all think Tron fits in the current metagame now? Is it still a thing? Is it competitive? Can you do some damage with it? Or is it super awesome? Or is it just being like, oh, that, that old thing? Okay, boomer. Like, <laughs> oh, check out the Tron player over here. What is it, 2014? My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I like, I'm, and I, I don't mean to like split the team here, but I actually don't like Baby Karn, like at all in Tron. Ooh. I play, I play no Baby Karn. I'm, I'm not about it, I guess. I play like kind of like, I guess the, you know, the Tron from, you know, three years ago or four years ago or whatever. I still just kind of play it as it was. I, you know, a couple of Ugin, the Spirit Dragon, the eight mana. I don't play the six mana. I play all four of my Karn uh, liberated. I play like three Worm Coil. But like I said, I like kind of like the Grindier. I, I've brought in, you know, Gigantha, taken out the Walking Ballista. So I guess it kind of ma matters. Like, I know it seems like through the years, like Tron has, you know, grown and changed different colors and like uh, Caroline had said earlier, it's more like splashes and you're mostly colorless. Like when you say mono green Tron, there's really only so many green cards in the deck. Um, but you can still play Tron a bunch of different ways because the the Tron deck that's playing Baby Karn is a lot different than the Tron deck that is, you know, not. And I, Before we go on, I just want to let you all, I've been playing with Fire. I've got the dog sleeping at my feet. And wow. for all of you that don't know, his name is Karn. So oh every time God. I say it, I'm like worried. I'm going to like wake him up and he's going to start barking and just ruin the entire podcast. So, wow. <laughs> or, or make it better. I don't know. But he's he's here and he's sleeping. So, <laughs> so I've, been, I've been like baby Karn. <laughs> you know, like seven minute Karn. <laughs> you know, to kind of cover my mouth when I say it so he doesn't get up. So but... <laughs> I think that brings up a good point about like my feeling on modern and, and also my feeling on Tron. Um, and I think it's a good transition. Basically you're right. You can totally do whatever you want with Tron. Um, one of the cool things about Tron is that it, I don't have a dog named Tron. So I can <laughs> speak as clearly as I want. Um, is it's one of those archetypes that exist, you know, regardless of the format. Um, and it's so that players like Nicole, you know, Nicole can show up with whatever Tron deck that she wants and she can probably get some edge by people, you know, by playing a different set of Tron cards than people are used to. That's like a pretty cool thing. But that happens with Burn players. It happens with Merfolk players. That happens with uh, mo most old school archetypes of modern. What it really doesn't happen with is the newer version of modern which I like to call Modern Horizons 2 Block Constructed <laughs> or, or Electric Boogaloo, depending on <laughs> where you're coming from. And that's the kind of world that we're living in right now with Modern. So it feels to me that decks like Tron, Murpho, kind of these staples of the format of past, they didn't receive a lot of support in these Modern Horizon sets that came out. Um, and so they struggled to potentially struggle to keep up. Um, however, there's other decks like Living End, which was a staple. Someone played it always at your store. 
They always played it, and you never really knew what the card did. That deck's now actually pretty good right now, <laughs> and that received a, you know a ton of random accidental support. So, you know, it just has a. It, it's one of those decks where people keep playing, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's bad, and that's what I feel like Tron is. Um, and I think it's super fun that Nicole gets to play kind of whatever version that is for her. She's like, nope, baby Karn doesn't exist. <laughs> Seven mana Karn only in my life. Um, it has created kind of situations where people do try to do new things with Tron. Um, and this, we've had this topic kind of in our mind for a while, but this week in particular, I've discovered not one, but two different new Tron decks that I had not <laughs> seen before. So I don't know if it's like the phenomenon where it's like, oh, I own a Kia. So now I'm going to keep seeing Kia cars. Or if this is actually just a week of development for car for Tron, I don't really know. Like it's like uh, that. It's like that thing where you know you keep talking and it's like, no, my phone's not listening to me. And then all of a sudden you see all these targeted ads. Yeah, for you in different spots. My phone is just telling me to buy like Tron the movie at the end of this. Yeah, (laughs) the rest of the world is like, oh, I'm just going to start talking about Tron, and then all of a sudden the meta shifts. Yeah, meta shifted with Tron, (laughs) taking on different stuff. Gonna, um, so you're saying I'm going to get ads for It Takes Two, like the VHS, oh God, like I on eBay? So. <laughs> I hope so. Like an eBay listing? Buy the yeah. original. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the, the two decks that are making the way around this week in particular, um, one one is called Prison Tron. Uh, you might not really know what's happening, and that's okay, because you'll probably just take a nap during it. Um, I played against this deck on the weekend, and it is absolutely soul crushingly boring <laughs> um but basically what it's doing is you, do you know how earlier i was like okay well there's a set number of cards that you have that help you get tron and every tron deck plays that okay well this one doesn't <laughs> this one plays the tron lands and map and doesn't play stars or spears spheres excuse me um instead it's replaced with bangers like chalice of the void Ooh, fun and 3x ensnaring bridges Ooh, and even better you know um what's the other one that gives you hex sorcerer's bridge? spyglass Ooh, that's a fun one yeah sorcerer's spyglass it also gives mystic forge which by the way is a cool card it's the one where it's like you can look you can cast the top of your library if it's an artifact and then you can you can mill a card out of the way sort of you can exile it that's impressive which, which nicole for those paying attention at home, um, this version plays just baby Karn, not even big Karn. And it excels the card and you can actually get it with Karn because Karn says you can oh, get a card from um, from exile or that you control outside the game. That's clever. Good. Yeah. So Mystic Forge is a nice little combo. Um, it also plays Searing, Se- Serum Powder. Which I'm not going to tell you what it does because I never really know, but it has to do with when you're mulliganing. <laughs> it's, it's, I saw that card and I was like, wait, what? That sounds like something you would, like, it sounds like a card from Conspiracy, but it's yeah, just it's, like. it's a weird card. I, any Anytime you would mulligan and this is in your hand, you can exile all the cards in your hand and draw that many cards. Yeah. Basically, it's just saying like, um, also, I think you can get those cards with Karn too. <laughs> um, it's basically just so you can get, you can get to draw on faster without doing a real mulligan. It's Dang. not a um, also, this deck plays four spellskites in the main, so you know that things are boring. Anyway, I did not enjoy myself. <laughs> this is the this is the yeah. This is like playing stacks in a commander game. Like you're yeah. just like, oh, no one's playing. You don't get to play. Yeah, that's it. And it's it sucks. I hate it. But anyway, oh, it has the good combo of Vasquez Collar and Walking Ballista. There you go. Also, oh, I, I'm gonna 
cover myself now because I realized earlier I said that I would tell you the combo that you get with Karn the Great Creator and they just never told you it. Um, <laughs> so this this is also a Karn the Great Creator, baby Karn uh, sideboard, like a toolbox sideboard. And one of the, you know, other than the cards that are in your deck already, like Chalice and, and Snaring Bridge, um, you can also get a call, card called Liquid Metal Coating. And this is a really boring card. It's just two mana artifact that says target permanent becomes an artifact in addition to what else it's doing. And it's like, okay, cool, that's boring. But Karn says, one says that art activated abilities of artifacts that your opponent has can't be activated. So you can kind of, in their upkeep, target a land and then they can't use their land for their turn. Um, but also Karn says target artifact becomes a, a creature based on its converted mana cost. So one thing that people do is they grab liquid metal coating and then next turn they play it and target a land to turn it into an artifact, their opponent's land to be clear, and then plus on Karn. So then they the artifact land becomes a creature, which is a zero zero, so it dies. So even more fun. Just add to it. Just all, shoveling all things up there. Um all of So that if there is, is if if that's Prison Tron, um but. which seems to tell me that like, oh, Tron is trying to adapt to the metagame, so they're just really becoming as evil as possible. Yeah. If they were trying to not become so evil, uh, what is an is there an alternate version of Tron that would be perhaps more fun to try and play for any other opponent? There is. And I actually desperately wish I had played a league with this just so I could report back how real it is. But there was a tweet this week um from Andrew Trainer uh that has <laughs> A beautiful picture of horse Tron, um, <laughs> which is all the Tron lands as expected. Some a bunch of swamps, Urborg, which helps out with the swamp part. Um, again, really making me eat my words and does not have any of the stars or spears or anything that I said that all Tron decks have. Um, just has <laughs> just has the maps. Really, really great fact searching on that one, Caroline. Um, and then from two drops onwards, it's just horses. All the way down, except for two exceptions, uh, which is Karn the Great Creator. Sorry, Nicole, you're really, none of these decks are for you. Not um, at all. And four main deck, Chalice of the Voids. And then it's just, okay, so I don't know what any of these horses do. Well, I know what some of them do, but I'll name them all for you. But it plays a, a two-drop horse called Flesh Mad Steed. Plays a two-drop Diamond Mare. I know what that one does. <laughs> plays a three-drop Underworld Charger. Um, it plays a crowen horse, a chrome steed, ghoul steed, and nightmare. <laughs> nightmare being my favorite favorite part of this. <laughs> when I first started playing Magic, it was and I was like, "Wait, nightmare is bad? I don't understand. That sounds great." <laughs> um, oh, it's got some plague mares in the sideboard. Great, great, great. Anyway, I hope someone has played it and I hope someone had a good time. It's just the fact that yeah, it is it is a quest tree yawn. Equestron, Equest, yeah, Equestron. something of that nature. I think that would be the best spot because it just looks like you go, wait, you played what? You did that with what now? It's like, and you're just playing Horsetron. Yeah, Nicole, time. do you want to do this at your your Baltimore thing, right? Just show up with Equestron. I, sure, why not? <laughs> I own these cards. Yeah, it, this is just the precursor <laughs> to the final form of Tron, and that is uh, Slothtron, which is Prison Tron, but with Arboreal Grazer. So you could ramp out a little bit of uh, you could ramp out some of your forests and things of that nature, and then just slow think... the game down to a complete halt, and we'll call it instead of Prison Tron, it's Sloth Tron. Oh my god, I I have some research to do. Yes, you do. Yes, <laughs> oh my you do. God. 
I need more slots in my life. Really, research. This is true. This is very true. Well, I guess to to also kind of wrap things up with this deck as well. The thing I've learned playing the deck is you really have to understand. um, I mean, one, if you're playing, if you're playing Karn the Great Creator and you're looking stuff in the sideboard, you really have to understand what you are getting out of your sideboard and what is useful because sometimes it might not be clear. Being like, well, I can grab some with Karn. What am I getting? Uh, Trinisphere? I don't know. And then you pull it off and you play the thing that you Gra- searched grab for. Trinistor, Trinisphere, make four mana, play Trinisphere, go to play your star. Yep. And then go, <laughs> crap. And then like, okay. Or you go with like Pissing Needle, but you're not exactly sure what your opponent's playing. And I'll be like, I'm going to guess Renin 7? Nope. Way, way off on that one. It's like useless Pissing Needle. So there is, there is that. It's like, what do you get out of your sideboard? Make sure you understand what your plan is for their plan was one. And then the other uh, big thing that I found was um, I, I think I kept a lot of hopeful hands instead of really searching for the things that I needed. I was like, this has two out of the three and a couple chromatic stars. Maybe I could do it. Or I'll look at it and be like, oh, this I could this could make Tron, right? This could do it. And then finally realizing that no, no, you need to uh, you need to mulligan aggressively in a Tron deck because it's very important that you find those Tron things. And I still it took me a while to learn that, and I still don't think I mulligan. I, don't, I probably do not mulligan as often as I probably should playing that deck. I think mulling from seven to six is fairly easy because you just ask yourself on the seven hand, you're like, does this make Tron turn three? No, easy, hit the button. From six to five, same question. Gets a little harder, but you're like, no, it's fine. It's Tron, it's okay when you mull. But on five going to four, it's a little harder. You're like, well, it makes Tron on turn four. Um, or it could make Tron if that's that's when the doubt starts sne- sneaking in. Um, but I think in general, heuristic wise, like obviously you can't, this isn't like a always, but you should try and keep hands that make Tron on turn three, at least for seven, six, and five. And then from there, you're on your own. <laughs> Once you get down to four and less, it's like, well... Well, I'm going to draw the perfect cards anyway, so... Yeah, it's like, I'm going to draw into exactly what I need. Why? Because I'm a Tron player. Because (laughs) that's the reaction that most opponents have, is they'll sit there and be like, mold a three, and then they make Tron, and you just go, and then into a car, and you just go, of course. Of course they did. Of course they did. Why not? Why would they? The rage of Tron players on that side of things. (laughs) Well, I think that's that's a, like, really awesome breakdown of, of the deck, of why folks like it, why we like it. Uh, why folks should play it is a, is another great spot about that. I think it, it, does anyone have any wrapping up thoughts on Tron, your advice about playing the deck or your thoughts about it or what it is that you love so much about it? Um, hmm. I guess I was trying to, I was going to make a funny joke and then I decided not to. Um, I actually think the coolest thing about Tron is sort of what I said earlier. It's like one of those staple decks that people will always play um, I think it doesn't always land well when people make Tron jokes, <laughs> um, but for the most part, they're made, you know, out of humor and blah, 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 blah. But I don't think that you should ever think, oh, I don't want to play Tron because I don't want to get like bullied by <laughs> Tron jokes because um, it is really fun. And I got pretty addicted to it. Like when I first started after I think I played a couple different modern decks and I found Tron and was like, oh my gosh, I'm so in. And so um, I think if it's for you, you'll know pretty quickly and you'll enjoy it. So don't don't let the haters get you down. That's my advice. 
That's the first, first. Okay. So advice number one, mulligan aggressively. Advice number two, don't let the haters get you down. Nicole, what's your Tron advice? Uh, <laughs> my, my Tron advice. Oh gosh. I, I don't know. I feel like I have like a lot of Tron advice. I, I think the deck is great, especially for people who are new to modern because it, it it does mulligan well like we talked about it's it's consistent it's a very linear deck but it does have a lot of play a lot of grind and it's still you still have to make a lot of decisions and i know it sounds silly but a lot of your decisions are what land am i playing on you know on turn one turn two and <laughs> i guess like definitely mulligan uh if you're on the fence it's 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 a mulligan Rule number two is that a forest should never be your first or second land drop. Um, and then I feel like that's a that's about it. It's just like a great grindy deck, and it's good for people that are trying to introduce themselves to modern. It's just like a good linear deck with a clean game plan. Uh, it can you know it can end games on turn three because you play a card, you stone rain your opponent, your opponent goes, I don't want to play this anymore, and let's move on. It can play a longer grindier game. Uh, but it's just like a very powerful deck that does very powerful things. And it's definitely enjoyable to play because it's a simple combo and it doesn't feel like too convoluted to do. Like trying to play something like, like storm or something and get like, get all the pieces together. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Not, it's yes. just like, yeah, that's not happening. I'm not counting that. I, I, I can barely count the Tron mana. I am not counting storm. Man, you know, like I don't know how many spells I cast this turn. Yeah. Um, so it's just a it's just a great fun linear deck, and I I I love Tron. Oh, a a quick. Uh, did you know now if your uh, chromatic sphere and chromatic star are extremely similar, but uh, chromatic star if it's destroyed at any point and put into your graveyard, you still get to draw off of it, mm-hmm. and uh, it is considered a mana ability. Whereas sphere is different, so that is is that, is that because they are two separate sentences in they one card are, and not in the other? Yes, chromatic sphere says it's one and tap, sacrifice it, so it goes straight to the graveyard. Add one mana any any color. Period. Draw a card. Period. And chromatic star is two separate lines where it's one tap, sacrifice chromatic star. Add one mana of any color, and then it says when it is when chromatic star is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. Interesting. Those little so, tiny interactions little that you find out when you really jump into a deck. Yeah. Like there was one time I, I like there's like corner cases like, you know, good problems to have where one time I cast an Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger and my opponent only had one land in play. So I actually had to target one of my own lands. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's happened. Yeah, so I've had that happen. Uh, you know, but there's you know, I mean I won the game. So that's all that really matters, but it was something I did not know, and I called the judge, and they were like, yep, nope, gotta do it. But yeah, the difference knowing between star and sphere being mana ability, non-mana ability, and when you can and cannot draw a card. So That's awesome. I think the fun, cute things. other thing I like about it is that if you're looking to get into modern, uh, we're at a point now, thanks to Modern Horizons 2 and other parts, that most modern decks are so expensive that Tron is now a budget deck. It's like you can play Burn, Affinity, and Tron, maybe Prowess. Like all those things are like around five, six hundred dollars in that realm. Everything else is like uh, twelve to nineteen hundred bucks. Oh. Thank you, four color Omnath decks. My <laughs> goodness. So that's the next thing. You don't have to actually sell your firstborn uh, in order to get a Tron deck. 
However, you want to play Blink? Well, then we have to talk. That's kind of going to be, that's the discussion there. But that uh, will wrap it up for this one. We think that Tron is an awesome deck. It's a deck that you'll always, it, it always has legs. You know, it's one of those, if you want to, you know, invest into modern, you really can't go wrong with a Tron deck. Will it always be tier one? No. Will it be something you can jump into an FNM and win a few games on it and know exactly what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. And that is why we love that deck. And we think you should check it out too. And we are also going to check out of this episode as we jump away from this and uh, talk about where folks can find us and the awesome things that we make and produce. And Caroline, let's talk, start with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini. You can find me on Instagram at The Mighty Linguini. Um, my Instagram stories are lit, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and you can maybe find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Linguini. Um, you can find me in Rain City Games on Saturday in Vancouver playing some double masters, double whatever it's called, sealed. Um, and then hopefully you can find me back in Denver in a couple weeks um, because that's where I'm headed. Heck yeah. And Nicole, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Lady of the Crease. Uh, and honestly, that's about it right now. I was trying to convince Jim that I, I, we actually were talking about doing a Tron Tuesday stream, hopefully sometime soon. So we could play Ooh, like three different fun. things of Tron. And this, Wait, do this, the horse uh, one. That's what this horse deck has inspired me. So <laughs> I think I might have to push for that a little harder. So, um, but that's that's my hubby he's over on twitch.tv slash jim davis mtg so you can give him a follow and uh, and and then when you're in chat though you have to ask for me you have to be like all right jim this is great but where's nicole yeah this is all cool where's, where's the tron yeah i need I horse tron i assume that's the only reason people watch right that's what yeah. I, I figure it's just that and the cute dog and the dog's name is karn so that gives you a little bit of a tron fill like if you wondered how much we love tron in this household so did you wake karn up by saying that no, he's 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 actually. It seems like he's dreaming right now. He's kind of doing the paw twitch. Aww. So he's in like he's, the he's probably dreaming about plus fouring. Oh, yeah. he's just trying. Yeah, at this point, oh yeah, he's exiled that permanent. Way to go, yeah. buddy! He nice did job. so good. Great, great way to round out this podcast is with a visual showing of your dog <laughs> that no one can see. I can see it, but yeah, his little leggy switch. Oh, there it is. He's so cute. <laughs> and of course, you can find me on the internet talking about different things about Tron. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142. And uh, who knows, if I don't end up playing uh, Reanimator in this uh, modern RCQ sort of thing, maybe I'll pick up uh, myself up a little Tron deck and uh, see where it goes and see how I can handle it. And it'll be a lot of fun when we do. And of course, we'll have other uh, topics of discussion when it comes to maybe some other deck archetypes or things that we enjoy about the game, because that's what we do here at Fam, Friends, and Magic. And you can always let us know what you feel about your favorite decks, how you feel about Tron, when you can hit us up on Twitter at fam underscore podcast. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to us and leave us a review on any of your favorite podcasting platforms that you do. And when you do, we'll make sure to always, always exile your permanence and make Tron naturally on turn three every single time. Because then we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
can't believe you <laughs> mulligan to three and you still got, I can't believe it. Like that's just gonna, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that being the RCQ, like verbiage thrown at me the entire time. It's like playing that third land and just hearing a long sigh at the other side of the table. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like, yeah, I did that. 